0: Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, best-selling author, top 30 global speaker, and president of Moreland Training, Dr. Will Moreland. hey what you drinking i know you're still collecting notes from the last conversation you heard and I, I don't know what to tell you i mean get another sheet of paper because i've got another amazing guest that i just i have to share with you Uh, Because this is someone who, when you talk about needing to find someone who is playing at the top of their game, someone who will motivate you and keep you encouraged to continue to pursue more, someone who will dare you to uh, stop at where you are and call that complacent place good enough. This guy is probably as, as intense as I am. And so I feel very comfortable in bringing to this conversation the one, the only, Dr. Will Moreland. Dr. Will, come on in, man. How are you doing? Man, I am doing
1: fantastic, man. I appreciate the invite. I've been looking forward to our time together. So let's get everybody right into it, man. Let's do it, man. Ah,
0: oh, man. You know, you and I have met. A couple of times we've exchanged just a few times and I just I I had I had so much. My cup was so full, man. It was running over. And I said, we've got to spill some of this some of this energy on my listeners at Whiskey, Jazz and Leadership. So, man, we are going to get into some good stuff. I just know it. I just know it. The first question that I have and a lot of people will say that this is really the most important question. This is the question that causes everyone to uh, turn on their ears. And that question is, so what you drinking?
1: Oh, brother. Okay, okay. So let's set this up. Let's set this up correctly because I don't want them to shut us down, man. I don't want them to shut us down. So I know it's called Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership. I know it's called Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership. But I was talking with G-Man and I told him, I said, hey, man, I don't drink whiskey. But as a true professional, as a true professional, I had my first whiskey drink in preparation for this interview. (laughs) And I drank a screwball peanut butter whiskey. And I have to tell you, it was it was good. It was good. But tonight, but tonight I'm not drinking any whiskey, man. I had me a light wine because I have a, another class I have to teach tonight. So I'm, I'm just starting off on a light wine tonight, a light Moscato. So don't, don't turn us off just yet. It's going to be real good. Even though I'm drinking Moscato, it's going to be good. Hey,
0: I'll tell you, you know, we, we've had a couple of wine drinkers. And if you go back to all the way back to season two, Jared Simmons was uh, actually drinking some screwball whiskey. So you are in good company. And uh, that just means that I got to come with the real. Right. I gotta hold up the integrity of whiskey, jazz, and leadership. So I reach for this is a brand new one for me. Everything about this says, Galen, you're not gonna enjoy this. Everything about this. This is a Las Vegas whiskey. So we're not even we're not even anywhere near Tennessee or Kentucky. This is a Las Vegas whiskey. It's called Smoke Wagon. And so for me, that that suggests a lot of smokiness, which was another strike against it. But uh, when I picked it up, the guy that I bought it from, he said, no, try it anyway. And oh my God, I'm so glad I did. This is amazing. This is uh, Nevada H&C Distilling Company Smoke Wagon, uncut, unfiltered, straight bourbon whiskey. And I'm going to tell you, this is sitting right at 113 proof. So this is grown folks stuff. I wouldn't recommend going into this without training wheels, but we're going to we're going to share a little bit of this tonight because I know Dr. Will is going to bring the smoke. So here we go. Let's crack this open. Just got that going. All right. Boy, I tell you, for 113 proof, man, this, this drinks like apple juice, man. This is some really good stuff. I'm going to sit here and enjoy a bit of the smoke wagon. And I would love for you to share just a little bit of your background. And we're going to talk about your journey, but just a little bit about your background and your journey of what it takes for Dr. Will to sit here today. Because this is not and I've shared this, a couple of my guests have shared this with my listeners. It's not the straight line that we usually see, uh, on a website or that we might read about in a book. There are some curves that give us the texture that allow us to sit here and and tell our story. So share a little bit about who you are. What are some of those curves that you've gone through? And then what are you doing today? Man, you know, every time I get this question out, now that I'm getting older,
1: it's getting a little longer. So I try to condense it as fast as I can. But I'm originally from Compton, California. If your listeners are familiar with Compton, you you know the headlines about Compton. I grew up in Compton at a time where they said Compton was absolutely the worst city in America. And I tell people when they ask me about growing up in Compton, I tell them it was like a story of two cities. It was the best of times and it was the the worst of times. I was I was raised by my my grandmother and uh, inside the house, inside the house, I got all of the teaching that you would need about being a great citizen, about having character. She gave me a great foundation in faith and in understanding who God was. But when I would leave the house and go outside the door, I was surrounded by gangs and drugs and individuals doing all types of unseemly things. And so unfortunately, I found myself wrapped up into that because usually I would would be outside more than I was inside with my grandmother's teaching, right? And so we're usually influenced, you heard this, you're going to be the sum total of the five people you hang out with the most. And so unfortunately, I wasn't hanging out with my grandmother the most. I was hanging out with all the homies. I was hanging out with all the guys who were doing all the bad stuff. And uh, what I found to be true in life, a bad apple, a bad apple does corrupt the bunch. Uh, A bunch of good apples is not going to turn that bad apple good. And so I found myself hanging out with some people that I shouldn't have been hanging out with, uh, being influenced by them. I ended up joining a gang, ended up uh, selling drugs. Uh, Unfortunately, I ended up Uh, several times in jail. And the last time I ended up getting arrested was really a godsend. It was a blessing in disguise because when I got arrested, went to jail, I was in jail for a couple of days before I went to court. And when I got to court, the judge looked at me and uh, I had just turned 18 and he says, Mr. Moreland, you're headed nowhere fast. If I sentence you today This record will be with you for the rest of your life. So what I'm going to do for you, I'm going to allow you to leave my courtroom. And I want you to return back in two weeks and tell me what you're going to do with your life. And so I was excited. I was ecstatic. But at the same time, I didn't know what I was still going to do with my life. I walked around the streets of L.A. for about a week and a half, about a week and a half just before it was time for me to go back to court. And I said to myself, man, you might as well go ahead and party because you're going to jail and you're going to be there for a little bit. So you might as well go in and have some fun. But a second thing happened to me. I'm walking in the mall and a gentleman by the name of Corey Oliver walked up to me and he says, have you ever thought about going to the army? And I don't know if our listeners, if you've ever had a moment in life where something happened or someone said something to you. And in that moment, you knew your life was going to change. Well, that's what happened for me when he asked me that question, even though I had never considered going to the Army, I knew in that moment that was my opportunity. I knew that if I told the judge that I was going to go to the Army, he wouldn't put me in one of those nice facilities, a.k.a. jail. And so I looked at Corey and I said, man, let's do it. Corey looked at me and he had this surprised look on his face. Because later on, Corey told me, he says, man, I've walked this mall for two years and I put nobody in the army because guys in my neighborhood, gee, they didn't go to the army. We weren't qualified to go to the army. As a matter of fact, I had to get a waiver to get into the army because of my past indiscretions. But he looked at me and he says, man, I have put, I have put nobody in the army in the last two years walking up and down this mall. But thank God. Corey was what I call another distractor, another disruptor in my life, just like the judge, to disrupt the pattern that I was living in. So fast forward, I joined the military. Now, I need you to understand, for the first 18, 19 years of my life, I didn't leave the vicinity, 20-mile vicinity of Compton, California. So I want you to understand how close-minded I was. I was living literally on an island. I didn't travel more than 20 miles outside of Compton, California, had never been on a plane, had never left the state of California. And at 19 years old, within a six month period, I had been on a plane. I had been to two new states. I had been for training, uh, basic training to Fort Knox, Kentucky. I'd been to my advanced training in Aberdeen Proving Ground. And then the Army really said, we really want you to transform. So we're going to send you over to Germany. So I need you to imagine having gone nowhere in 19 years. Within six months, I'm 8,000 miles away in a brand new country. But here's the thing that I always tell people when I'm telling them this story. Physically, I was in a new place, but mentally, I was in an old place. I bring this up because my first month being at my brand new duty station I almost got kicked out the army because I was still handling issues and situations as if I was still incompetent, even though I was 8000 miles away. So the only way I knew how to handle situations and problems was to fight. And so I ended up getting into a fight while I was in the army. Unfortunately, I hurt this guy pretty bad. And so the army wanted to kick me out. And then once again, I run into my third disruptor and they say three is the charm. My sergeant major, when I was standing before him, he tells me similar to the same thing the judge said. Listen, Morland, I read your file. You're from Compton. If I kick you out right now, you're going right back to Compton. Where are you going to end up? you probably end up dead or you probably end up in jail. He says, this is what I'm, I want you to do. I want you to go home this weekend and I want you to tell me on Monday when I call you back in here, what you want to do with your life. What do you want to do with your life? So I go that weekend and I think about it. I come back on Monday and I talk to him and I said, Sergeant Major, two things. Number one, I want to be the best soldier I can be. And number two, I kind of want to get back into school. I want to get into college if I can get into college. He says, I can help you with those two things. I can help you with those two things. And that began to start this transformation into where I am now for the last 20 years of my life where I only went. 20 miles my first 20 years. My next 20 plus years, I've been able to travel literally all around the world, 50 plus different countries. I've lived in five different countries and I've been able to build a consultant company where we do leadership development. We do DEI training and um, I've just been able to create a life that I couldn't even dream about this life that I'm living right now. It's beyond even my dreams, but I'm so very fortunate, so very grateful for those three disruptors, that Judge Corey Oliver and Command Sergeant Major Bams that gave me an opportunity to transform my life and not mess up my life because certainly I was headed that way. Everybody told me, you know, I met my father for the very first time when I was seven years old, when he was serving time in the California State Penitentiary. I have a sister right now that's serving a life sentence, and that was the lot for my family. We were in and out of jail. That was our, when you talk about generational curses and things like that, that was our lot in life. We were in and out of jail. If we weren't in and out of jail, many of my siblings and uh, other family members were on drugs. That's where I was headed. But thank God for these disruptors, I was able to transform my life. And that's why I'm so passionate about this leadership and about personal development because you know there was a commercial, I don't know if you remember this, but it was for the, the uh, hair care product and the gentleman would come on TV and he would say, I'm not just the president of the Hair Clear Club, I'm also a client. Well, I tell everybody, I'm my best client. Before I teach you anything, it's because I lived it, I ate it, I consumed it, and it's transformed me. And that's where my passion comes from, man
0: wow wow i mean talk about a journey because we can see very clearly and you did a great job of explaining what your life could have been without those three disruptors and you know uh, if you're listening to this man uh, there's only so much we can put in the listen notes there's only so much that we can put on on our what's next newsletter Uh, you need to just check this guy out he's the 2015 top speaker in america 2016 business leader of the year, 2017 named community leader of the year. Let, let's skip a couple of these and go just, I mean, like every year, like 2020 uh, civility business person of the year, 2022 Phoenix Titan 100, top 100 CEOs. I mean, thank goodness for those disruptors. Thank goodness things didn't go according to your plan, <laughs> because if things had gone according to your plan, you know, you might've had the cell right next to your sister. Talk a little bit more about just your your passion for seeing opportunity where others might've seen a nuisance, where others might've seen a, a folly's mission. You chose something different. You said, hey, look, let me try this other thing the way I would have approached this before clearly was not working. How did you find the courage to try something different?
1: Yeah. So, um, takes me back to the Sergeant major. He did help me get into the college and I got into college. And one of the first classes that I enrolled into was a communications class, a speaker's class and a lady by the name of Gloria Copeland, she saw some potential in me and she came up to me one day and she says, here's a book that I want to give you. I think it will bless your life and, and really help you on your journey. She saw that I was a young man trying to really change, turn my life around. And uh, she gave me this book called Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice by Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. And as I began to read that book, it was one of the first books I had read since I left high school and probably one of the first books I read from cover to cover, really. And I got so inspired Uh, Gaining by seeing and reading about individuals that look like us, that came from similar situations in America as I did. And what it did for me was it took away every excuse. Now I didn't have an excuse because I saw somebody who looked like me. You know, I had listened to, at this time, I believe I had listened to. Uh, Some of the other greats like Zig Ziglar and Jim Rome and Tony Robbins. But in the back of my mind, I would always create an excuse. Well, of course, Zig can do it. Of course, Jim Rome can do it. But now I'm reading. Number one, I'm reading Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. And if you're familiar with Dr. Dennis Kimbrough, you know how brilliant he is. And so I'm listening. I'm reading the words that are on this paper inside this book. And he's telling me about people like John H. Johnson. He's telling me people about like Earl Graves of Entrepreneur, Black Entredo, Enterprise Magazine and John H. Johnson and all these just brilliant African-Americans. And to be honest with you, then I, I, I was kind of embarrassed that I had never heard about. And then I came across a gentleman by the name of Reginald F. Lewis, and he had a book and his book was entitled, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? And then I picked up that book. And that book became my blueprint. That book became my blueprint because that literally shattered every excuse that I had because now, wait a minute, he was able to build a company using his mind. Up until that point, all the successful black people that I knew were all into sports, all into entertainment. Once again, I didn't know John H. Johnson and didn't know about Earl Graves or any of them. But when I read, why should white guys have all the fun? I said, I now have a blueprint. This dude did it with his mind. He, he didn't have to do it with his body. He didn't have to do it with some you know talent for music or acting or anything like that. And so I literally started studying that book page for page. I remember he had his, a copy of his schedule inside that book, and it showed that he got up early. And back then, I said, okay, I'm just going to get up early. I don't know what I'm going to do being up early. But <laughs> if he's getting up early, I'm going to get up early. So I just started up early. And and reading and reading this, I started to see what it was doing to me. Mm-hmm. It was transforming my mind. As you alluded to earlier, every one of us have this toolbox. And this toolbox is this imaginary toolbox of resources, of experiences, of knowledge, of skills. And anytime we're approached with anything, good, bad, ugly, or whatever, we pull from that resource. And as I said earlier, when someone would confront me or when I would get agitated, the only thing that I had in my toolbox was to fight, defend yourself. But now, when I was reading these books, they were convincing me you have something to live for. See before, Dave, I didn't have nothing to live for. So it, it didn't matter to me if you told me that you're living dangerously, or you're living where you're going to put your life in danger or somebody else's life in danger. I had that attitude of. You got to die someday. You're going to die someday. What difference does it make? It didn't matter to me if I died at 18 or if I died at 88. It didn't matter to me. But when I started reading these books, it started shaping my mind to say, no, you do have something to live for. You, You do have something to look forward to. And when we have something to live for and when we have something to look forward to, what it begins to do is place boundaries in your life. You now begin to say, wait a minute, I have something to live for. So I'm not going to speed down the road. I'm not going to speed down the street because I could flip this car or I could hurt someone else or I could end up. Right. It it gives you boundaries. You start even though this is whiskey and jazz and leisure. We're going to drink responsibly. Right. We're not going to be irresponsible in our drinking because we have something to live for. We have something to Build and and we have uh, people to assist and help and so it started showing me that there was a different way to live life. I only knew one way and that was to live recklessly I didn't know about living from uh, vision and living from your purpose and that God had a plan for you but through these books and I went through over the next uh over the next five years I ended up reading about 500 to 600 books. And uh, I read it all the the magic of thinking big and thinking grow rich from Napoleon Hill and Acres of Diamond, the richest man in Babylon, just all any any of the self help books and personal development and psychology books that you can think about the psychology of success. I've read them all. Les Brown, you got to be hungry. Tony Robbins, unleash the giant. I read all these all these books. I started listening to all these back then, this is how old I am. It was audio cassette tapes. And I'm listening to Mark Victor Hansen, and I'm listening to uh, Jack Canfield. And I'm listening to uh, just all these uh, amazing Dennis Waitley, all these amazing individuals talk about the power of the mind. And they would say things like, you're not stuck. As long as you have a choice, you're not stuck. You can choose a better life. And I didn't know that. Growing up, nobody told me that I could choose a better life. I thought that I was in a prison of poverty, but no one told me that I could create a platform of prosperity. And uh, the more I read these books, man, I got hooked. I got hooked. I remember reading an article and this article said, the average individual doesn't read one book a year. The average individual doesn't read one book a year. And then it said this, it gave me a blueprint. It said, If you read one book a month, you would be above average. Read two books a month, you would stand out. If you would read three books a month, you would be nationally known in your field. If you would read four books a month, you'll be an international superstar. And I was just naive enough to believe it. So I did it. I said, I'm going to start reading these books. And sure enough my mind started expanding my philosophy about life started expanding and um that's really when i got this burning desire as napoleon hill would say when i said man i got to get this information into more people because what it's doing for me it's like somebody going on a diet and losing 200 pounds that's what i felt like mentally i had lost like 200 pounds of weight of negativity and uh i was all in
0: Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers.